The preceding message is brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Stay tuned after this message for more information about Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Glory be to God. Welcome in neighbor. You can be seated in God's presence. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You're all welcome. Um, I hope you were able to catch some rest in the last couple of days. Amen. Man, I needed a rest and I enjoyed it. And I hope you are glad to be back in church. It looks like some of us are not yet ready to be back. But no problem. We will start. The rest will join us. Glory be to God. Um, a lot of wisdom. Wisdom is what we need now for such a time as this. Wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. Um, and I'm glad that um, the month of July is our month of wisdom. Hallelujah. Say with me again, the wisdom I need. I take it now in the name of Jesus. Open your heart for wisdom. How does wisdom come? It comes in the way of instructions. It comes in the way of correction. Stop doing this. Stop behaving that way. That attitude is not a good attitude. That is not a Jesus attitude. Jesus will not do like that. It will come, and you need to be very sensitive because it can come very subtly. Jesus is not going to appear to you in a big white gown and a big red hat walking down the street of Allen Avenue. No, still small voice. Still small voice. So you and I are the ones that must be sensitive. The instructions I have heard already from Seven Days of Glory, particularly in the areas of my life that I'm working on, they are just it's not like there was an earthquake. Has anybody had any instructions? That's your victory. I mean, that, that's your victory. And if you have not had, get into the place of fasting and prayer till you hear. Praise the Lord. Fasting and prayer will not end after seven days of glory. Even Jesus' fasting and prayer did not end after the 40 days in the wilderness. The Bible said after those times, Satan departed for a season. All through his earthly ministry was always fasting and praying and receiving direction. That is what you need. That is what I need. And those things you hear and see, that is the wisdom of God for you. For you. Instructions, corrections, revelations. Praise the Lord. And when wisdom comes, it has to be implemented. Wisdom doesn't come as the final answer. Wisdom is like a key. Praise the Lord. It's like a key. If I give you the key to a car now, if you're not careful, you can still trek home. If you don't use that key. If you're not careful, you can still trek home. And I think that's the problem sometimes with many church people. They are carrying the wisdom of God in their pocket. They are carrying the wisdom of God in their mouth. They are carrying the wisdom of God in their head. They are carrying the wisdom of God in their hearts. But they are not consciously and deliberately using it. It's not an end in itself. Look at what God has told us in church. Serve me. That is not an end in itself. In fact, the end of that word from the beginning, it can be a very far journey. Serve me. Serve me. I mean, I, I can tell you as a pastor, I've not yet even, I've not even downloaded this yet to the pastors. God has shown me some markers and some goals for us as a church, which really, hitting those markers will really be a um, manifestation or the expression that we are really serving God as we ought. See, when God even tells someone like us, or a church like us, serve me, church that is already serving him, I mean, so for God to tell us, serve me, he's saying, tell us, come up to another level, come up higher. So the wisdom of God that comes to you, it's not an end in itself. And that's why even after you have received something that you call wisdom, you still need to continue in the place of prayer. Because when God speaks, serve me to you, how am I supposed to serve you? What more do you want from me? 
Particularly if you are here, you feel you're already doing the best you can. Hallelujah. Something powerful happened to me today. Somebody gave me, um, a man of God sent me, a, it's a book, um, a, a pictorial book. You know, I call myself world number one soul winner. So I won't mention the name of man. This is a, a, a ministry that in the last, how many years? Less than about 15 years. They are crusades. They've been doing crusades all over Africa. According to their testimony, they have won 10 million conversions. <laughs> is my life like this? And they have the pictures of all the crusades they've done in so many um, towns all over Africa, hundreds of towns. Praise the Lord. Just showed me just to have an image. Praise the Lord. I think that's helping me. So when God is telling me, sir, you can see ah, there, there's much more to what you are doing. Praise the Lord. Just an image before you. So when wisdom comes, please hear this. Particularly if it's something you have not really walked into any serious depth, you must know it's not an end in itself. You should rejoice. At least you have an answer. Praise the Lord. You should get excited. But watch out for how you are implementing that wisdom. Praise God. And please, 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 when you fall or when you fail or when you do not do it exactly like no, you do it, don't condemn yourself. Glory be to God. Pick yourself up. Just see yourself as a little baby that is trying to learn how to walk. If you keep at it, one day you will start running. Glory be to God. And then one day you will start flying. But if you condemn yourself and give up, you will never walk, you will never crawl, you will never run, and you will never fly. That will not be your story in Jesus' name. One major wisdom we all need for this aftermath season is that we should not go back to the way we were before seven days of glory. And thank God we've all had two, three days now. Let's start from there. You should not go back to the way you were. There should be something you are doing different. Hallelujah. You should start. A journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. The things, you see, for those of us that have been privileged to enjoy some blessings and manifestations of God to a level, I, I, I've come to realize the things that bring the answers are not difficult. The commandments of God are not grievous. See, this is one of the reasons why God puts mentors in our lives, people that have been there. The commandments of God are not grievous. Don't go back to the way you were before seven days of glory. I say this every aftermath season. Don't go back to the way you were praying before seven days of glory. If you need to really do something about your prayer life, don't go back to the way you are giving, the way you are serving, the way you are worshiping, the way you are reading your Bible, the way you are listening to the word. Change something. And you don't have forever to make that change. Now that the pool has been stirred, you need to have dived in. Actually, you should have dived in by now if you have not dived in. The opportunities of a lifetime must be seized within a lifetime of the opportunity. Pretty soon, everything that God said and did during seven days of glory will not be in our thinking anymore. Something else will have come up. Another conference will have come up. Another event will have come up. And all that God unleashed on us, if you have not consciously taken advantage of it, plugged yourself into it, started using it in any serious way, you now look as if God did not speak to you. That will not be your story in Jesus' name. And yet you heard from heaven. Did anybody hear from heaven? I can't hear you. Did you hear from heaven? Are you sure? Don't go back to the way you were before that word came. Do some things differently. Now that is wisdom. Hallelujah. Praise God. Alright. Wisdom for life. I want to look at that over the next three weeks. The remaining midweek services we have in this month. Somebody shout wisdom for life. And specifically... Let us attack the things that are attacking us. Jesus told us, speak to the mountain. Many times Christians don't face their mountain. They talk to God about the mountain. They talk to the pastor about the mountain. My pastor should come and speak to my mountain for me. 
They complain about the mountain. But a time comes in your life where if you are really serious about getting results, you squarely look at your mountain, whatever it is, and you address it, you speak to it. And that's the attitude I want you to have this season as we're going through this series of teachings. Face your issues. Make up your heart and your mind that you are going to overcome this mountain this time. Overcoming your greatest challenges. You can overcome it. There was a time in my life not having children was the greatest challenge in my life. There was a time in my life falling sick, having sickness was, was the greatest challenge in my life. Let me share another healing testimony. I mean, for several weeks now, many of you, even while I was preaching, I was coughing, coughing, coughing. I just had one attack of it. It started very interesting. Let me just shame the devil again. And this is how you beat the devil, though. And I tell you, once you have had a season in your life where you face that mountain, I'm looking back some 20 years ago when I, I mean, I, fortunately for me, I just dived in when I started hearing it. And there's something called divine healing, divine health. I was a baby Christian when I entered. Ah, I never had that before. They didn't used to preach that in the church I used to go to. That you can live in divine health. That God can supernaturally heal you. Nobody ever preached it. Even though it was in the Bible. So when I got born again, and thank God I had a very wonderful Bible teacher, Frederick Christie Price. I never miss his program every Sunday afternoon. I mean, all of a sudden I got into Copeland and they told me, by his stripes I'm healed. I dived into it. And I remember those first two years or thereabouts. And prior to that, that I got born again, I used to fall sick almost every other month or every other month. I don't think, looking back, three months can go by in my life that I will not have a hospital visit. It was sickness and was, I was a, it was permanent residency. And what happened to me, I've shared this testimony before, what happened to me was I got born again and for six months, I just realized, wow. I mean, it was an awesome, from that day, the symptoms of sickness came back. I remember those things when I fought and... I mean, I will never forget one incident where I had symptoms, malaria symptoms, and I mean, my mom was now a young man, go and use medicine. I mean, I will stay with the thing. I will just use, my medicine was the word of God. There's nothing wrong with using medicine. These days, when I use medicine, I still use the word of God. But sometimes, I just don't want to use medicine. So once you've faced that thing and you've overcome it, it becomes easier. So when this cough thing came, it, first, it, it came as a sore throat, and cough. So the first week, of course, I, I got cough mixture, used it, of course, releasing my face. The pain disappeared. But the cough was just recurring. For one, something would just be um, tickling my throat as it were. So I just uh, used the word of God, stayed with it for several weeks. I mean, many times when I'm preaching. But thank God, the God had taken away the pain. It was just the discomfort of having to cough. I just stood on the word, faced the mountain. As I'm coughing, my mind by stripes, I'm healed. Just saying that it will go. It always has to go. They do, it doesn't have a choice. Can I hear loud amen? And as the days and the weeks went by, just that I was getting weaker and weaker. Sometimes I will still cough. That's been much better in the last two days. In case I cough while I'm preaching, just know, just, just know that it's a sign. It's getting better. But I think I've not coughed for almost several hours now. So I know the word is working. Amen. And I'm glad I stood on the word of God until it goes. I don't know what the condition was. Maybe it was ordinary cough. Or maybe it was something else. One thought kept, came to my mind, go to the hospital. And I thought to come to my mind, if you go to the hospital, they will tell you you have tuberculosis or something. You know? Has Satan ever plagued with your mind before? Tell somebody the devil is a liar. Face your mountain this season. And I want you to identify your greatest challenge. Sickness, financial difficulty, troubled marriage, my career, your greatest challenge, your toughest battle. It doesn't matter how long it has been. It doesn't matter how long it, it's as if the you see, mountain stops or something that is fixed, that doesn't want to move. Hallelujah. God is bigger than that thing. Can I hear a loud amen? I love that scripture we shared with you during some days of glory. When you praise God, when you engage the presence of God with revelation, the power of God does something in your life. It will melt your mountains like wax. There is no mountain that cannot melt. Hallelujah. 
There's no mountain that cannot move. Glory be to God. There's no mountain you cannot overcome. Hallelujah. There is no mountain in your life. I decree over you that by this time tomorrow, it will become a testimony in your mouth in the name of Jesus. Well, you've got to face that mountain. You've got to face that issue. Seriously. And since we are talking about wisdom, believe God for the wisdom. What I need to do. What I need to say. How I need to behave myself. Hallelujah. And by this time tomorrow, just like my own this time tomorrow has come now, you'll be testifying about the victory Jesus has given you. You will have victory in Jesus' name. Our amen needs to be better. I said you will have victory in Jesus' name. Yeah. By this time tomorrow. Sooner than later. Hallelujah. Praise God. Life is about winning. Let me lay a few um, building blocks before we get into the world. Like, if you are not winning in life, your life will not have color. It will not have beauty. If you are not winning, life is about winning. You, you can't avoid challenges. Jesus said in this world you will have tribulations. What you are promised by God is that when the cough attack comes, hallelujah, I will give you victory over it. When the sickness comes, I will give you victory over it. When financial challenges come, I will give you victory over it. Glory be to God. When challenges come into your marriage, into your career, I will give you victory. And that's when life is sweet. When you win. Somebody shout, I win. I'm more than a conqueror. Hallelujah. I win. I overcome. Come on, declare it. I overcome. I am victorious. Life is about winning. A life that doesn't have victory consistently, you won't enjoy that life. That will never be the kind of life you have in Jesus' name. Life is about winning. And wisdom helps us to win. Wisdom helps us to win. The wiser you are, is anybody interested in becoming wiser? The wiser you are, the more positioned you are to win life's battles. The wiser in God. And not when we say wisdom, we're not talking about human wisdom. There are different kinds of wisdom. There's worldly wisdom. There's Niger wisdom. There's American wisdom. And then there's godly wisdom. The wiser you are in godly wisdom, the more positioned you are to win. Hallelujah. So a good desire you should have this season is to grow in godly wisdom. To have deposits of wisdom in your life that were not there yesterday, last week, last month, last year. The wiser you are, the better positioned you are to win. You shall win in Jesus' name. Let's look at this text. Proverbs 20 verse 18. Plans are established by counsel. Counsel is a derivative of wisdom. With wise counsel, wage war. Face your mountains, face your challenges, face life's issues, the battles you have in life. Look, the battle has already come. And some of you, you are right in the thick of the battle. But the good news is, if you overcome, and you are going to overcome, praise God, you will be, you, 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 in fact, it, it will just be another feather in your cap. Hallelujah. You, you, you will have one surge of energy. You will be happier with yourself. Praise the Lord. You will be more joyful as it were, or happier. And this is the wisdom. Face life. Let me, let me apply to what we are saying now. The battles of life. Fight them with wise counsel. Fight them. Face them. Address them. Deal with them with wise counsel. In other words, get counsel. I'm having difficulty financially. I'm having difficulty concerning my wealth. Go before God or learn to go before God. Learn to access divine wisdom for that particular issue 
and wage your war with that wisdom. Use that wisdom that God has given you as a battle axe. For example, any member in good standing in this church that doesn't use stewardship as a battle axe for the next six months, we need to examine your head. Because God has revealed his wisdom to us. Each one of us should start prayerfully considering how you can serve God better, how you can serve God more, how you can be more efficient in serving God, how you can be more effective. Wage war with the wisdom of God. What is God's wisdom? Stewardship. I mean, God has already told us that one. God has already told us that one. Wage war. Stewardship should be your strategy, a major part. Of course, God can tell you other things. Hello? But don't ignore the one he has already told you. With wise counsel, wage your war. Praise the Lord. Lift your hands and ask God, Father, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. Come on, pray that prayer. I know we pray it earlier. Pray it again for like 10 seconds. Give me wisdom. The wisdom I will use to wage war this next six months. This remaining half of 2018. The strategy I need for my business, for my career, for the battles ahead of me. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Listen, if you don't have it, it's because you have not asked for it. You have not because you ask not. Let me say that to you again. You see, these things are so simple. I I think that's important our problem. It's so simple, you can miss it. If you don't have the wisdom for the challenges before you, according to scripture, James chapter 3, I believe, or is it chapter 4? You have not asked. So what do I need to do? Go and ask. Or keep asking. And like I keep saying, when you are praying certain prayers, it seems as if God is not answering you. Start opening up yourself to learn how you can ask better. Because sometimes we ask, but we're asking amiss. If you don't know what to do, I mean, again, I talk about church. I know certain things to do. I have about four or five things I know I need to do in church now. In fact, my prayer now is executing them. Executing them. And of course, some of you that are working with me, you, you have already given you a few phone calls in the last couple of days. <laughs> Those are the things God is telling me in the place of prayer. If you don't have wisdom, personal life or uh, ministry or career, you are not asking. Because God is duty and covenant bound to give you wisdom. In fact, he has already given you wisdom. We're going to see that in a minute. You, you are the one that needs to lay hold on it. Proverbs 4. Quickly, let's go there. Verse 5. Proverbs 4. Get wisdom. Get understanding. It puts the responsibility on you. And if you study this text in the light of all we can find out about wisdom in scriptures, you will come to a place where what the Bible is trying to tell every born-again child of God is Christ has been made unto you wisdom from God. You have access to all of the wisdom of heaven. Hallelujah. You have access. Everything God knows about your past, your present, your future. Everything God knows about that mountains that is facing you. You have access to that revelation, that wisdom. What is telling you here in Proverbs is to get it. What does it mean by get? Lay hold on it. Let me break it down further. Get to a point where you know the next two, three, four, five steps you need to take. That's what we mean by get wisdom. These are the things you need to do. You may not see everything. Usually God will not tell you everything. He never does that. But he will tell you enough to take a next step. And many times from my experience and studying scriptures and again learning from mentors, it's as you start walking with what he has already spoken to you that the next one will come. Can I hear a loud amen? Tap your neighbor, get wisdom, get wisdom, get wisdom. Get wisdom. Ah, somebody say, Pastor, I've gotten wisdom. In fact, I prayed that scripture. Let's read on. See, these are things, and I've been there before. You see, I've prayed, I've studied scriptures, I've meditated on scripture, I've get wisdom. Then, when I, do, I, you will see some results, but you are not seeing all the results you want to see. You go back to that word, then God will open your eyes to something you've not seen before. Let me show you some new things God showed me from this text. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget, nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Don't forget what I told you during seven days of glory. Corporately and privately. That he would mention that means it's possible to forget. 
Praise the Lord. And if you forget, it means you have not gotten. Or even if you got it before, you have lost what you got. So you need to go back and get it again. Amen. Do not forsake her and she will preserve you. But watch what he now said. Love her or love wisdom. That is another instruction. So he didn't just tell you to get wisdom. Love wisdom. Love it. Let, let me break that down for us. What does that mean? They said something about Jesus. We may get into it tonight. He, his delight is in the wisdom of God. In other words, when the word of God comes to him or the wisdom of God comes to him, he embraces it with delight. And he's opening up something powerful to us here. There are people that have prayed and sought God for wisdom, believed God for wisdom, but what God told them, they did not like it. Remember that rich young ruler? Ah, I have been serving God and obeying the commandments from the days of my youth. Yet I still know something is missing. So he came to Jesus. How can I have eternal life? The Bible said Jesus loved him and looked at him. And said, one thing you lack. See, he was asking for wisdom. But when Jesus told him, go and sell all you have. Come and take up your cross. And for, he did not love it. The Bible said he went away. Sad. So he's telling you, don't just get it, love it. I wonder how people are sad when I announce before the church that God said the key for the next six months is stewardship. <laughs> and I wonder how people don't love that kind of instruction. Ah, stewardship. Why can't he say vacationing? <laughs> no, it is a vacationing. It's just stewardship. When the wisdom of God comes, you must embrace it and love it. Praise the Lord. Somebody say, love wisdom, love wisdom, love wisdom, love wisdom. So getting it is not enough. This, this is what I've learned. I've, I've come to realize that now. It's not just about getting it. Getting it is vital. But being excited, or like they said about Jesus, delighting in it is also important. Not going away sad. I wonder how many people come to church and when we teach from the word of God, the wisdom of God, like that rich young ruler, they go away sad. They don't like what Pastor T said. They don't like the instruction that Pastor Kingsley taught. They didn't like the revelation Pastor Boju brought. They didn't love the wisdom that they got. And let me tell you what happens when you don't love the wisdom. By this time tomorrow, you will have lost it. Because you will have forgotten it, like you said there. Do your arms this way, I embrace the wisdom of God coming my way. Now listen, your flesh may not feel like embracing it. Your mind may not really be where it ought to be. But thank God my spirit and God's spirit are one. Do it again. I embrace the wisdom that God sends my way. Let's use the word the Bible used there. I love it. I love it. I love it. So say this with me. I love stewardship. Even if it's a confession of faith, I love serving God. I embrace serving God. Love wisdom. Love wisdom. When you know you have a word from God, let me ask again, how many people sitting right here, you know you have a word of, from God for your next six months? Raise your hand. Not to me, but to God. Just as a sign of a witness, you know you have a word from God. Listen, if you can't raise your hand, go and spend more time in prayer and fasting and the messages we had during seven days of glory. Or any other thing, God, you see, you either have the word or you don't have the word. You either have the wisdom or you don't have the wisdom. If you have it, God is telling you delight in that instruction. Be excited about that instruction. Love her. Love the wisdom. Don't be grumbling and complaining. But Moses told them in Jeremy 28, you ought to serve God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. When God gives you an instruction, the response God expects is an expression of joy and gladness, not one of complaining and murmuring. Hey, they're telling us to give again. No? Hey, they're telling us to serve again. Hey, they're telling us to pray again. 
the wisdom you respond to that way will never work for you. Are you still with me tonight? Hallelujah. Say with me, I love wisdom, I love wisdom, I love wisdom. Love her and she will keep you. Verse 7, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. He now added another one. Watch verse 8. Exalt her. So, getting her is not everything. Loving her is not everything. Exalt it. What does it mean to exalt it? Lift it up or prioritize it. Don't ever allow, now that God has told you, serve me. Don't allow Satan pour sand in your gary by giving you reasons and excuses not to serve God. Exalt her. Exalt her. Prioritize it. The wisdom God gives you for your now, the wisdom God has given you for the next six months, the wisdom God gives you to face your mountain, to fight and overcome your greatest challenges, to defeat and win your biggest battles, exalt it. Let's assume God tells somebody, pray. I want you to be spending two hours extra every night praying. And that's how you're going to come out of this financial hole you are in. Don't get to the point where you are now so busy, you get up in the morning, 5 a.m., you rush out, you go to work, and I mean, your work is very demanding, you don't come back till 9 p.m., then you now don't have time to pray. The two hours God told you to be investing in prayer. You are not exalting that wisdom. You are not prioritizing that wisdom. Even though you've gotten it all. You came for seven days of glory. And God opened your ears. Open your, this is what you need to do, Pastor T. If you are not careful, the enemy can choke that word. And it will become unfruitful in your life. That will not be your story in Jesus' name. But there's a way to defeat the enemy. Exalt the wisdom God gives you. Put it first place. I have yet to meet somebody that is so busy they can't sleep. You know why you don't you sleep? You prioritize sleep. I have I'm yet to meet somebody that is so busy that they can't eat. You know why you eat? You prioritize eating. I am yet to meet somebody that doesn't take a bath. I think regularly. You know why you prioritize? You, why you exalt those things? You know in this life without those things you can't live. Do the same thing with the wisdom God gives you. Don't forget it. Don't despise it. Prioritize it. Exalt her. So wisdom is available for the believer. And it works for the believer when the believer lays hold on that wisdom. When the believer loves that instruction, that wisdom, you are excited about it, you are not grumbling, you are not bitter, you are not sad. Then when the believer prioritizes it, not that you now get too busy, you can't serve God anymore. Exalt her and she will promote you. Promotion shall be your portion in this second half of 2018. You know God already told us that one. This is now teaching you how to make use of the key. Of stewardship, exalt it. She will bring honor when you embrace her. That's loving her. Embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace. A crown of glory shall she deliver to you. Let me hear somebody shout, I receive it in Jesus' name. Oh, you can do better than that. Shout, I receive it in Jesus' name. So, did you get that? Get that? Whatever God is telling you, I mean, this is the key for these six months. Pastor Paul, you mentioned it that Monday night. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. If he tells you, fill the water pots with water and take it to the governor, what you asked for was for wine. You thought he was going to tell you, take money, go to shop right, go and buy 12 cartons. He did not tell you that. Sometimes the wisdom that God sends your way may not be what you think is going to send your way. I have seen that a lot in church. The way some people interpret what the pastor is saying or what God is saying is different from the intention God had. And if you're not careful, you'll get bitter. So you thought, ah, when we say we need more wine, 
What is because in your own limited thinking, the only way we can get more wine is to go to shop right and buy wine. But there's a God that is limitless in his power and his wisdom. Hallelujah. And he has designed that the way he's going to provide wine for you on this occasion, in this wedding, this next six months, is by you filling the water pots with water and carrying the water in the pots to the governor. And the plan of God, which he didn't tell you, is that as you are going to the governor with the water pots, somewhere along the line, chemistry miracle will take place and the water will become wine. If you don't obey, carry, filling the water pots with water, I love, if you read that text in John chapter 2, amazing. There's an attitude those people had. Jesus told them, fill the water pots with water. The Bible said they filled it to the brim. There's a difference between filling the water pot and filling it to the brim. They were excited about the word. Somehow, somehow they understood what Mary said. Ah, something is about to happen. So God told you to pray two hours. You are praying two hours. Ten minutes. Somebody said to the brim, praise the Lord. And they took it to the governor, knowing fully well what they were scanning was water. And they took it to the governor to taste. As at the point they presented the water pot to the governor, they knew this is water. And that's faith. That is trust in God. That is obedience. That is loving the wisdom of God. They got their miracle. You will get your miracle in Jesus' name. You will get your miracle in Jesus' name. But you see, you don't get it by figuring out what God wants to do ahead of time. That's the point I'm making from that story. It may sound foolish to you. How does serving God fix the challenges I'm having with my wife at home? Serve God first. Then let's talk six months after. How does serving God will get me a job? Serve God first, my brother. Serve God first. Stop trying to figure out the miracle God wants to do in your life. You are not smart enough. You should have figured that one out by now. And you are not wise enough. But thank God you are an obedient child. And say with me, I will obey. All right. Praise the Lord. So, that, all that was to just let us know we need to lay hold on God's wisdom. Get wisdom. Tap your neighbor for me again. Say, get wisdom. Get understanding. Tell him how wisdom is still the principal thing. Not just in the days of Solomon, but also in 2018. And for you and I, particularly in the second half of 2018. Wisdom is the principal thing, so you need to get it. And please understand, when they told us to get it, we are supposed to do what again? Love it. Hello. And we are supposed to do what? Exalt it. So I, I want to start talking to us about one major, major, major avenue to getting wisdom. I've wanted to do this teaching for years in this church. And I'm praying God for utterance, for revelation. I believe this is the time. Major, you see, the, the, the difference, Pastor T, between where you are and the manifestations you want to see in your ministry is the wisdom of God. Wisdom. Predominantly the wisdom of God. If you can get the wisdom and you apply it to, not that you are carrying the car in your pocket and walking around, carrying the key in your pocket and walking around the streets of Lagos, still asking God for a car. Mm -mm. We've given you the key. Wisdom operates like a key. Wisdom will never transport you. Praise the Lord. Wisdom will put the key of the car that will transport you into your hand. You have to still use the key. But the difference between here and where you want to be is the wisdom of God. So getting wisdom is paramount. And knowing the major avenues, the major gateways, the major highways to divine wisdom... Is important, and there are many of them. There are many of them. Wisdom can come from the Word of God. The Word of God is the wisdom of God. Studying the Word, meditating on the Word, you can get wisdom. Wisdom can come through the place of prayer, what we do here every Wednesday. If you don't have it, it's because you have not asked for it. Wisdom can come that way. Praise the Lord. Wisdom can come as a gift. God gave wisdom, Solomon. I mean, God gave Solomon wisdom. You get the point. God gave Solomon wisdom. God gave Daniel wisdom. 
It was just a grace God endowed on them. The grants of grace. There are many ways people got divine wisdom in scriptures. Watch what we want to look at here. I believe many Christians, many of us, we need this in our lives. Glory be to God. And, and the key or the avenue I want us to look into over the next couple of weeks is the fear of God. The fear of God. I think many 21st century believers don't have a concept and understanding of the fear of God. It's not taught. It is misunderstood. Many grace Christians don't understand the concept of the because it's not taught. And the, the first thinking is grace and fear of God are, um, they are anti one another. No, they, it's not. Jesus was the embodiment of grace and truth, and Jesus walked in the fear of God. So fear of God works very well with grace. And the fear of God is a major, major, major key to wisdom. Can I hear a loud amen? Look with me at Psalm 24. Let me start from there. So you, you understand why we are studying the fear of God. Psalm 24. Hallelujah. No, Psalm 25, sorry, not Psalm 24. And I, I don't think this is the New King James. I think this is either the New Living Translation or NIV, but you'll get the picture. Verse 12 of Psalm, Psalm 25. Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways they should choose. May God instruct you this season like never before in the name of Jesus. Verse 13. They will spend their days in prosperity... Amen. And their descendants shall inherit the land. Shall I receive it if you're interested? Verse 14. Very major text. We are going to dwell on a lot. The Lord confides in those who fear him. King James says he reveals secrets to those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. Hallelujah. The fear of the Lord. It gives us access to divine wisdom the lord look at that is this which am i reading this niv i'm reading right beautiful look at that the lord confides in those who fear him he makes his covenant known to them give it to us in the new king james amazing so we can pray for wisdom but don't only pray for wisdom because the only thing the bible is not only praying for wisdom but the bible teaches us i've said this a lot in church when the Bible teaches four, five, six different ways to access something, don't just stay with one, particularly if you have been using that one and you are not still getting the results you want to see. Continue to use that one. Tap your neighbor, continue praying and praying for wisdom. But add walking in the fear of the Lord to your prayer. Because it's possible to be praying and not walking in the fear of the Lord because you don't even know what the fear of the Lord is. The secret of the Lord is with those that fear him. May divine secrets be handed to you this season in the name of Jesus. That's what they did. We, we saw that for Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar's dream was a secret. In fact, Nebuchadnezzar himself had forgotten the dream. But there is a God in heaven that reveals secrets. May God reveal secrets to you this season in the name of Jesus. Secrets that will make your marriage the sweetest that's ever been in Jesus' name. Secrets that will unlock prosperity into your life. But look how he does it. Those that fear him. And on a level we fear him. So it's like when God told us, serve me. We are already serving God. God knows you're already serving him. But as I was reading that brochure today. I know they are world number one soul winners and they are world number one soul winners. <laughs> and it was inspiring me. So there's a higher level of stewardship. Praise the Lord. And there's a higher level of walking in the fear of the Lord. And you will only walk in it if you know it. And you will only know it if you learn it. So tap your neighbor, pay attention. Pay attention. 
Pay attention. Pay attention. Now let, let's talk about the fear of the Lord. I will get into deeper definitions next week because I want to leave us somewhere before I close tonight. But if you've ever read your Bible, you will see these two things. Again, I call these oxymorons of scripture. Where it looks as if the Bible is self-contradicting itself. So I'm sure you've had this sermon before. There are more than 365 fear knots in the Bible. Which means no fear for every day. Have you had that sermon before? Praise the Lord. Anybody that's been in church. And it's true. We have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do unto me. So there are many fear knots in the Bible. But then there's also this one. The fear of the Lord. Hebrews 12, 28. Seeing that we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us have grace that we may serve God with reverence, but God is a consuming fire. So there are two different meanings, even though the same word is used. One talks about anxiety, anxiousness, um, being afraid, like you will be afraid of a gun or a snake. This is how the, the dictionary defines it, a distressing emotion aroused by impending danger. That's the fear not that the Bible says we should not entertain. Tap your neighbor and tell him, oh, fear not, fear not, fear not. No money in the bank, but fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. Nobody has come to propose to you, but fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. You seem not to be making progress in life, but fear not, fear not, fear not. You see, those are things that can trigger a distressing emotion. But the Bible says don't embrace it. Glory be to God. This fear of God, what does it speak of? It speaks of reverence. This one we have to embrace. A feeling or attitude of deep respect. Tinged with awe and veneration. We'll, we'll break that down as we go on. I don't want to dwell too much on definition. But I have to mention that at this point. So, there is one kind of fear. We have not been given the spirit of bondage. We have not given it of fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. So, there is one we are not to embrace. That one is talking about because of certain circumstances that are not pleasant, you are now shaken. Somebody shouts, no fear here. But on this other hand, fear here, fear of God. Now, listen to this. God expects you to relate with him with the fear of God. Reverence for him. Respect. Not just respect. Deep respect. Malachi chapter 1. And when we learn to walk in this fear of God, this respect for God, reverence for God, Look at what the Bible promises us. It opens us up to divine wisdom. Praise the Lord. Maybe this is why somebody has been praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and it's as if God is not answering that prayer for wisdom. Because your lifestyle doesn't depict any kind of reverence for God. God speaks to the church. You don't even care. Serve me. It doesn't matter to you. The pastor talks about people coming punctually to church. Reverencing God. It doesn't matter to you. Not that you have a genuine reason, no. Just can't wake up early on a Sunday morning. Out of respect for God. Monday, you never go late to church. Because you respect your boss. And you don't want to lose your salary. You can do that one. But Sunday morning, ah, service is 8 o'clock. I will join them at 9 o'clock. That's why your life is like that. That's why your life is like that. I mean, I'm the pastor. I have to tell you. Your boss in the office will not tell you. Let me just tell you the truth. Beloved, beloved, beloved. I, I love that revelation. God gave me on the pulpit. It was in my notes. I said, tell them you love them. We are telling them this because you love them. Beloved, beloved, beloved. That's why we tell you this truth. And that, that's it. That, that's the fear of God there. That is the live fear of God. Life. Live fear of God. Just respect. for God. Praise the Lord. God expects us to Relate with him in the fear of God. Deep respect, reverence. Somebody shout reverence. 
you can shout better than that. Shout reverence. Shout one million dollars in my bank account. Shout reverence. Uh -huh. See, we have more reverence for one million dollars than we have. I'm, I'm serious. It's a sad state of where we are. We have more reverence for big house, big car, than we have for God. I'm talking about the average person. Because people have not been taught. People have not been taught. Malachi 1.6. I mean, yeah, Malachi chapter 1 verse 6. This is God talking to the nation of Israel. But there's a lot we can learn from this conversation. If you are there, shout aloud, hallelujah. A son honors his father. Very, very rare Old Testament scripture that God will refer to their relationship as father-son. In fact, they, they, it, it went over their head that God was calling them son there. They didn't understand it. Jesus had to come and break it down for us in the New Testament. But he was calling them, look, it's not just a servant-master relationship I have with you. It's a father-son relationship. A son does what? Honors his father. That's another meaning of the fear of God. Honor for God. We, we say it every time we give offering and tithes. Why, why do we tithe? We fear God. And people that don't tithe don't fear God. They can argue with it. They can bring up their own theories. It doesn't make any difference. Why, why do we tithe? Why do we give offerings? Why do we come before God not empty-handed? We fear God. In fact, that's what God was dealing with here. God was rebuking them for the way they were handling their offerings. And God was telling them, the reason why you are giving the way you are giving is because you don't respect me. You respect Ambode more than you respect me. What, read it with me. A son honors his father, a servant his master. If then I am your father, quick question, is God your father? Where is my honor? Show me the honor you have for me if you are calling me your father. Let me see it in the way you attend church. Let me see it in the way you serve me. This one that you are frowning in the corner of your heart because the pastor has declared that the wisdom of God for the next six months is serving God. Let me see it in the way you serve me. Let me see it in the way you give to me. Pastor T, let me see it in the way you handle the church I've put you over shepherd over so... Don't think I'm not talking to Pastor T as well. For someone thinks Pastor T is attacking me, this only no, I'm, I've put my name inside the message now. Praise the Lord. Where is my honor? If I am your master, where is my reverence? In other words, God was looking at their life. Somebody say, I receive wisdom for life. I receive wisdom for life. I say it again, I receive wisdom for life. And God said, see, something is lacking. There's no reverence of God in the way you are living your life. And catch what we are teaching here. It blocks you off from divine wisdom. Secrets that will make your life beautiful by this time tomorrow. Because God reveals secrets to those that fear him. We are going to study several other scriptures. Where is my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts, to you priests that despise my name. Remember, the Revelation says we are now kings and priests in the New Testament. Yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? They were arguing. Ah, we respect God. After all, we came to church for midweek service. God is not saying, I'm not saying you don't do that. No. Verse 7. This is how I am saying, this is what I'm talking about, that you, you offer defiled food on my altar. But you say, and I can guarantee you they were not saying these things with their mouth. They were saying it with their heart. Please let me preach this to your neighbor. God hears the voice of your heart. More than the sound in your mouth. It was, it was the, the, the condition of their hearts. In what way have we defiled you? Look at what they were saying in their hearts. The table of the Lord is contemptible. It doesn't matter how I give to God. It doesn't matter what I give to God. It doesn't matter where I give to God. It doesn't matter when I give to God. Contempt. I can give anyhow I like. After all, we're in the dispensation of grace. I can give whatever I like. I can give any contempt. No reverence. And this is just an example. You see, it will show in the way you give. It will show in the way you serve. It will show in your prayer life. It will, it will, yeah, of God, it will show. It's a state of the heart. 
Verse 8, and when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? There are certain offerings that God called evil there. The, the instruction was clear, don't give defiled animals. But they were bringing offering of animals that were blind. And when you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? They were not supposed to give God lame and sick of animals. They were supposed to keep those ones for themselves, give the, the, their, their first, like Abel did, the, the first and the fat. The healthiest animals were supposed to be their sacrifice. The fattest animals were supposed to be their sacrifice. But natural human beings kept the best for themselves, gave God a Bajansimi offering, so they won't say it's not that we didn't give offering. No. And God said that state of the heart that does that, it's an expression of a lack of reverence for God. When you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it to Governor Ambody, would he be pleased with you? I mean, please bring this to where you and I are living. Some of us, imagine if you have access to meet the governor, you're about to get a contract, your company has been called for a bid, and you're supposed to submit your proposal, and you just want to take the governor a gift. The offering you give in church, the sacrifice, can you take it? That's what he's saying there. This is how practical God can be. You know, people that get contract from somebody, they, they, they take gifts. Man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. <laughs> or else they won't call you back the next time. Let me rephrase that. We won't call you back the next time. We are the ones in power. <laughs> Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? Verse 9. I love it. But now, I'm not saying this to condemn you. I actually wanted to have a next a better next six months. Entreat the Lord's favor that may be gracious unto you. Change your ways. It's not to say you are going to hell or anything. No. We are just giving you wisdom. Learn and live by handling the things of God with fear. I want to use that word because I think it will register in our hearts. And by fear, I'm talking about reverence, respect. Now, tap your neighbor and say, this next six months, entreat God's favor. Hallelujah. That may be gracious to you. While this is being done by your hands, if you continue to treat God without any respect, will he accept you favorably? Telling you that, look, if you continue, God has called you out now. You are not walking in my fear. And he's not calling you out to condemn you. He's calling you out to correct you. But if you continue, hey, you're not taking me to the correction. I'm not listening to what they are saying. And are you telling me that you can do that and still be expecting favor in the next six months? Will you accept to February, says the Lord of hosts? Glory be to God. Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, before someone now says that's an Old Testament scripture, there's a New Testament counterpart. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace. I love it that they put grace here. So you see that grace and reverence for God go hand in hand. So on one hand, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. It doesn't get any plainer than that. Praise the Lord. I said it doesn't get any plainer than that. Have grace. So when we are teaching the fear of, the God, of God, we are not kicking out grace. Hallelujah. God still loves you the way you are. God still accepts you. The way. See, this is why I call oxymoron of scripture. Sometimes to reconcile them is very, very interesting. Let us have grace. Hallelujah. But watch that word service there. And that's why I think this, scripture, this teaching is apt for us. Because the key that God gave me, except I want to deceive you as your pastor, I prayed, God, what do you want to tell your people? What's the word you have for them? I had God like I had my name. Praise the Lord. Next six months, will be, there will be grace for speed. There will be grace for promotion. There will be grace for multiplication. But tell them their stewardship is the master key. And this scripture is telling us, don't serve God anyhow. 
serve him with reverence and godly fear. And hey, hey watch the, your open reward. There will be a door of divine wisdom open to you. You will know what to do. To the degree you reverence God, to that same degree, wisdom comes your way. Now, I know that can be a bit difficult to reconcile with the revelation of grace, where God just accepts you the way you are. And I'm telling you, both of them are true. There are certain things God will give you gratis, hallelujah, just the way you are. You don't come to church, oh, God blesses you. You don't serve, oh, God blesses you. You don't tithe, oh, God blesses you. That is true. But equally true, because we are reading the same Bible. You serve God, God blesses you. You reverence God, God blesses you. You reverence him, God shows you wisdom that other people don't have. They are both true. I mean, that verse, two of them are there. Have grace. What you don't qualify for, what you don't, and you, the kingdom you have is an unshakable kingdom. But it has these two seemingly contradictory truths. They are not. They walk hand in hand. You are still a son of God, whether you fear God or not. You are just a rascal son, but you are still a son. You are still a son. That can't be taken away from you. We didn't give back to you because of your good behavior. But we are telling you, as a son and a daughter, if you can grow. We're going to talk about that. I don't know. It hasn't yet come into the message. But that's, that's in fact, honestly, let me, when God started putting this one in my heart, that's where it starts from, growth. You see, when a child of God, look at me, everybody, has issues with walking in divine reverence, it's a growth problem. It's a maturity problem. If you can grow up and learn reverence for God, I'm telling my brother, you are posi positioning yourself for the best six months of your life. Can I hear a loud amen? Last scripture, rise on your feet. Let me quickly close. We read it last Sunday, so this won't take too long. Philippians chapter 2. Look at it again. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved... Please let me tell somebody again. The only reason why Pastor T is preaching this to you. Well, number one, God told me to preach it. Number two, I love you. I love you. You are my beloved. Hallelujah. You are my beloved. If I don't tell you the truth, who am I going to tell the truth? This is a stranger on the road. I will tell my, my brothers, my sisters, my beloved. As you have always obeyed. You, we are going to see as we study obedience and the fear of the Lord. They go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. So I'm not surprised that Paul put that word there. Have you have always obeyed not in my presence only, not as my presence only, but much more in my absence, walk out your salvation. Amazing. The salvation is yours. Glory be to God. It has been given to you. But let me tell you why it's not shown in many Christians' lives. It's not being worked out. And like I told you on Sunday, if you read Philippians 12, to 12 and 13 in context with Philippians from chapter, verse 1 really, to verse 11, what does it mean when he's telling us, God he said that verse by saying therefore? He was talking about stewardship. He was telling us that Jesus was a servant. So, working out my salvation equals serving God. And not just serving God anyhow, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Not the one that, ah, a anxiety or God is going to hurt me. No, reverence. Reverence. So there are people I submit to you in the body of Christ in King's Word that are indeed working out their salvation Serving God, but let us look at the reverence they have for God. Just for a while. Not to condemn anybody, but to teach people to entreat the Lord's favor for the next six months. Glory be to God. Work out your salvation, not anyhow with fear and trembling. For it is God that works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And I will close again. How are we going to do it, Pastor? Looking unto Jesus. Is where the grace comes in. It's so beautiful. All I need to do is to look unto Jesus 
and know Jesus and see Jesus and learn from Jesus how to walk in the fear of the Lord. Jesus walked in the fear of the Lord. Isaiah 11. He walked in the fear of the Lord. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might. Glory be to God. The spirit of understanding, the spirit of knowledge, and of the fear of the Lord. And verse 3 says he is the light of all the seven spirits they mentioned there. They said he is the light was the fear of the Lord. One translation says his delight was in obeying God. So fear of the Lord and obedience go hand in hand. No wonder Jesus was the embodiment of wisdom. Praise the Lord. Are you hearing me tonight? I prophesy over you. These six months, you will walk in divine wisdom like never before. You will wake up in the morning and you'll have divine ideas fresh from heaven. Things you've never been able to figure out up until now, this season you will figure them out. You will know exactly what to do. As you implement what God reveals to you, you will see amazing testimonies. Wisdom on a whole new level. Triggered by walking in the fear of the Lord. Listen, my admonition to you is very simple. Respect God more. Praise the Lord. Treat the word of God with more respect. Treat the service of God with more respect. Treat the servants of God with more respect. Anything associated with God. Treat your offerings to God with more respect. Treat your wives, your spouses with more respect. You will see God like you have never seen him before. All that is just, uh, why are you respecting your spouse? Because I fear God. It's also in Malachi. So after God told them the way you are handling your offering, you also told them the way you are handling your spouse. Actually, I think that message was to the men, the way you are handling your wife. So let the husbands and the men here take notes. The preceding message was brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. We are located at Kingsword Auditorium, Etel Avenue, behind NNPC Filling Station, First Bank Bus Stop, off Kudarat Abiola Way, Argun, Lagos. Email kmiafrica at kingsword.org. Telephone 234 810 00640.